TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. The 2-1 on the way, and a swing and a liner over the head of Polanco in the left, a base hit. Jogging home LeMahieu, up to second judge, an RBI single for Encarnacion, and an early 1-0 lead for the Yankees. And the up-2 with a swing and a line drive, base hit in the left field. In to score is Gardner. Up to second, Encarnacion, and the beat goes on for the Yankees. It's 3-0. Next pitch to Didi, and a swing and a belt. Hit a ton to right field, and it is gone! Grand slam home run for D.D. Gregorius, and it is 7-0, and it is Bedlam here in the Bronx. But gentlemen, gentlemen, this is the Scorner Twin Show, special edition. Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, and Darren Doogie Wolfson. There's a silver lining in everything. Luis Arise, with his double to the gap in right center, Caused the Yankees to heat up Araldis Chapman for a second straight day. You burned right. Araldis Chapman twice. That's right. You got it's him. It's all turning once this thing comes back to Target Field. Right. And and for entertainment purposes only, the game then went over. So for those of you who bet the over <laughs> of nine runs, congratulations. You owe Louis Arise a lot. Monopoly money only. Of course. That was a buzzkill if I've ever seen one, Phil. Yes, it was. And we are, uh, we are here on our therapeutic perch if you want to call in uh, thank you for streaming us anywhere that you are or listening on am 1500 you can stream us in video fashion at your own risk on facebook twitter and on <laughs> twitch all of those at score north s-k-o-r north and the number to call in is 651-646-8255 we have a couple open phone lines right now we will get to your calls and your thoughts but i'll just start off i'll throw this out to you guys here doogie and Derek. It's been 16 damn years of this now. 16 years. In fact, today is the 15th anniversary of the last time the Twins won a playoff game. And it was game one against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium in 2004. Johan Santana made the start. The Twins won that game 2-0. to nothing. We all watched the Twins. Derek was, is the youngest one in the room here. Uh, AJ's younger than Derek. So, but, but, I mean, who would have thought in the middle of the 2004 ALDS... That and, and by the way, the Twins had the Twins had a one-run lead in the top of the twelfth inning of Game Two of the ALDS in two thousand four, and then Joe Nathan blew the save in the bottom of the inning. But if if I would have told you in Game Two ALDS two thousand four, with all those players in their prime, and then like the Joe Mauer coming up back from injury the next year, whatever that was, right? Justin Morneau coming up. This is it. 15 years. They will not win a playoff game for 15 years, and they'll still be getting their asses kicked by the Yankees in 2019. Stop reminding me. 06, I mean, really bugs me. 10, because of the more no injury, bugs me. But yeah, I mean, Phil, it's one thing. I can accept losing, but they have been non-competitive in these two games. To have a run differential of minus 12 is borderline unacceptable for this offense to produce only two runs today is borderline unacceptable. That's where I'm at. I get it. If people want to call in and call this two-game stretch embarrassing, I'm not quite there. Incredibly frustrating. But I really don't have a whole lot of ammo. If you call in and say you are embarrassed, that this has been an embarrassing two days. Embarrassing is the word I would use to describe. I think that it's 
really tough for me to look past. I know we hammered this yesterday, so I won't spend too much time on it here. But it's really tough to look past the fact that you've got five good relievers and you didn't use them in key spots in yesterday's game, which was a winnable ball game. And then by the time your second reliever, your first reliever is out of the game today in Tyler Duffy, the game's over. Taylor Rogers hasn't pitched at this point when it's still in contest, I'd say. Taylor Rogers, Sergio Romo, Trevor May, then Tyler Duffy does come in. So he's the one of the four who has pitched, and he's the only one on back-to-back. Like Their bullpen usage is easy to question now after the fact that the second game didn't play out the way they were hoping it did. It's the number one spot for criticism for me right now. Yeah, it was. I, but I think I mean we're we are we've been watching both games together. And Doogie, you've been watching downstairs uh, in the in the Channel Five Eyewitness News Sports uh, area. And the, some of these bullpen decisions were first guess. You go back to yesterday. But if if now that we've seen the first two games play out, this is exactly how not to manage a bullpen. It just flat out is. You 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 used Trevor May and Sergio Romo, who are very firmly in your f- four maybe five reliever trust tree. In a seven-run game in game two, and you wind up using Cody Stashak and Kyle Gibson in a one and a three-run game in game one. And I'm not saying that if they would have perfectly managed their bullpen that they would have won either one of these games. It just points to bad process and probably overthinking. But I'm going to go back to what Doogie said. You have the greatest power-hitting team in the history of baseball. And you had Masahiro Tanaka on the mound today. And that guy has been garbage since May. He's been terrible since May. He's been terrible in September, and you can't get you, you score one run off that guy today. Yeah. I mean, one how run? many swings and misses did he induce? It was double digits. Was it 11, 12? I mean, that's a sign of dominance. The twins were swinging and missing, they were flailing out of the zone. So, yeah, stuff. let's not take the twins' offense off the hook. I actually think the number one criticism is Jake Odorizzi has been, I can debate, has been your best starter this year. He has been your best starter going back a couple months, and he hasn't thrown yet. That, to me, is the number one talker, and I get the process. I'm not sitting here and ripping the twins for that. I get the process with Dobnak being a sinker baller, wanting him today, Odorizzi with his fly ball tendencies. You want him at Target Field, not in the band box of Yankee Stadium. I'm just saying, though, I know a lot of twins fans very upset that Odorizzi did not pitch last night or did not pitch Tonight. And on Dobnik, I tweeted it. So it was real time. I would have kept him in. Now, maybe the result is the same. I thought that was a quick hook today on Dobnik. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the phone lines here. We have, we have, we have takes. We have things to say. I think, I think we've kind of ridden the roller coaster a couple hours. The game ended two hours ago. The game ended on the DD Gregorius Grand Slam. And Wetmore and I just sat in here and AJ, we just were just, we were just like stared at the TV for 30 minutes. It's like, what? I mean, it's the same play we've seen the same movie over and over for 16 years well although usually the twins score first then lose right <laughs> that's true actually at <laughs> least they didn't score first slightly today. different script on this one i guess 651-646-8255 this is the score north twin show and if you're new to the score north twin show if you're new to score north we have a free mobile app it's just the score north mobile app anywhere you download your apps on your apple or android device and you can Listen to the Scorn Our Twin Show on demand and in podcast form for later. Again, anywhere you find podcasts. Let's go to Teague and Matamidi. You're first up. This is a Twins Ventline edition of the Scorn Our Twin Show. What do you got? Hey, so you guys have talked about this is 
frustrating or embarrassing. I'd just say it's dejecting. Mm-hmm. You watch a team for 162 nights a year, and I, I can't help but take myself back to 2006. Doogie, you said it. At that point, I'm standing in the living room of my college house, feeling like, how do I go through this again in 07? And now I'm staring 35 in the face with three kids. I have the same dejected feeling. So, like, it, it's just it's, it's super dejecting. The, the, the point I want to make, though, is on, on pitching. And I, I actually didn't mind going with Dobnak. I thought that he actually had better mound presence than Brios last night. But, and, and Royce, he's had good points on this, too. He said, uh, as far as the trade deadline goes, they couldn't have predicted Pinedo was going to get popped. They couldn't have predicted that Gibson was going to collapse. But other teams, like the Astros, have continually gone and made things happen. In 17, they made it happen with Verlander. In the offseason 18, they made it happen with Cole. They made it happen with Grinky this year. You can't tell me that we don't have a better shot if we make it happen with Bumgarner or make it happen with Stroman. And I know there are a dozen explanations for why it didn't, but the fact is it didn't. And, and I'm always the guy who defends not making the move, like clearly not getting Kimbrell. Like, that, that was good. Duffy was better than Kimbrell. But Tycho would have been, would have been nice. So I just, it, they got to make something happen. And you have an opportunity with a team like this that wins 101 games, you owe it to yourself to take a shot because if you're not going to take a shot this year, when are you? Yeah, it's uh, that's a good call. It is. Absolutely a good call. The I word, think, the word yeah. dejected is the key word there. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, whether it's dejected, embarrassing, frustrating, I mean, pick your descriptive term. I think the one real regret they have is not making a really strong offer for Marcus Stroman right off the bat. Yeah. I'm telling you, I mean, I just have this from a few people over there, that they were upset that Toronto didn't circle back to them, that Toronto took that offer from the Mets. They checked like... on Granky. Granky was not waving his no trade to come here. Bumgarner wasn't traded, I guess. Okay. I mean, should they have given up Buxton for Syndergaard? I mean, that's the ultimate second guess. But I guess if you want to go down that road, fine. I feel like it's kind of a weak excuse to say that we wish Toronto had circled back. Like, at what point in the negotiation is it their responsibility, right? Isn't this kind of a two-way yeah, I, street? I'm with Derek on this. Like, That's if you, you put an offer in and then they make a move before you guys talk again, it's not incumbent upon them to check in with the other 29 teams. Like, keep that. I don't know what the communication breakdown was. I was surprised to hear it started to be floated as an excuse that those guys in the Toronto front office are Cleveland guys. It's off the Cleveland tree. <laughs> Where does Falvey come from? How is there a communication breakdown between those two teams? I don't understand it. I don't know if it'd be different with Stroman. And I don't know if it'd be different with Michael Pineda. I don't know if it'd be different with Byron Buxton. But the spot that you're at right now, if you're the Twins, wouldn't you sure like to find out? Well, sure. I mean, absolutely on Pineda. The no two. But on the surface, if I just told you, hey, would the Twins have a chance to win either game in New York by scoring four runs and two runs? Good point. You would have told me no, right? Yeah. Good point. Yeah. The, the, let's. There's there's two different tracks here. Their offense has scored six runs, one of them in garbage time. Their offense has scored six runs in two games against the second greatest power hitting team statistically in baseball history inside their bandbox. So a tough putt. You know, we could sit here and dissect should they have had a Marcus Stroman on the roster or Madison Bumgarner? And by the way, the answer is yes, they should have. But even if they have one of those guys, if Eddie Rosario is going to swing at pitches that are six feet over his head, and if Luis Arias can't even like come down on his ankle, and they they showed a couple of his swings in slow motion, he's 
clearly not 100%. I mean, when does he strike out twice in a game? It's pretty rare. Right. Not Correct. unheard of, but very rare. Yeah. Although, you know, when going down pecking order-wise of, of guys swinging the bat to blame, I'm not quite sure a rise is near the top. Yeah. So 651-646-8255. And by the way, you're listening to AM 1500 KSTP Minneapolis-St. Paul. It's Score North, Minnesota Sports, anytime, anywhere. And uh, let's go to our buddy here, Jake DePew, who, uh, who 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 was, by the way, the first person to write about Randy Dobnak for scorenorth.com. <laughs> I think it was 1500 ESPN.com previously. But, uh, but you know what? You You have the floor right now. You and I have been texting throughout the game, and I've seen you on Twitter, and uh, I think everyone's just really frustrated, Jake. It's the, it's the same thing, down 0-2 to the Yankees. Yeah, first of all, you know, first time, long time. Yeah, <laughs> long time, long time. <laughs> Big fan of you guys. Thanks, bro. Um, yeah, no, so first of all, I agree with what everybody was saying on Stroman. Uh, that was a totally botched uh, deadline move, in my opinion. But um, I hate to be bullpen management guy because – it's so easy to do that. It's so easy to second guess as media and fans and whatever. But like the, the whole last two days have felt to me like, you remember the wild card game uh, when Buck Showalter just left Zach Britton in the bullpen for like 14 innings and he yeah. never pitched. Yes. Like mm-hmm. the one in Toronto. That, the, right. Exactly. Exactly. That that's what it feels like to me. Like every front end, uh, I'm sorry, every back end uh, bullpen guy, or every front end bullpen guy has pitched in high leverage situations, and every back end guy ha- has basically stayed in the bullpen. Like what? I just—they've been so good all year, and it's like, what is the thought process? Well, here? like, go ahead. I was just gonna say that like Taylor Rogers is gonna be super rested for Game Three, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, but then if yeah. you need him Tuesday in Game Four, how does he perform when used back to back days? Yeah. the time right. to use him was one of the first two games for sure. Well, and it's just like, so today, and this is a minor complaint, but if you know you're going to get Trevor May um, and Sergio Romo in the game, like you're just, you're going to get them work, you're going to get them playoff experience, why wait until like the eighth and ninth inning? Why not bring them in in the fourth and the fifth when there's still some chance of a comeback? I get that Smelter ended up pitching really well, but the process there isn't sound to me at all. If you're going to get those guys in no matter what, then do it when the, there's still some chance of you winning the game. Well, I'll take this like, a step further, Jake, because I would have liked yeah. to see those guys yesterday. I think you would have, too. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, yesterday was really the botched game. But, but even today, the process, uh, to me, just made no sense. And I get that it goes a lot deeper than that. Obviously, the players haven't performed. You know, Crone's error was huge. And the Arise decision to, to start him again today... I don't totally get that because he was a major liability in the field yesterday, and and I, you know, he he hit, oh, you know, he hit the double in the ninth today, but um, he's really held them back, and it's unfortunate because he's been a great player for them all year. But uh, I would have started Scope yesterday for sure, and after what we saw from Arise in the field, I would have started Scope again today. So I don't know. I mean, it, again, this is all, you know second-guessing and all of that, but it's just the process to me has been very unsound from a bunch of guys that I consider to be really, really smart. It's actually it's actually pretty sad when you're, 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 you're a Twins fan, you've been looking forward to this for six months, and some of us have been saying, bring on the Yankees. This is it. This is a heavyweight fight. Do it up. And like, 45 minutes into Game 2, the most entertaining thing to watch is Marlins man sitting next to Rudy Giuliani behind home plate, you know? <laughs> Like that's what that's what we were left. We were left with Marlins man and Rudy Giuliani after forty five minutes today. It was ridiculous, Jake. Yeah, it it really was, and it's just it, you're right. It's incredibly depressing, and and 
all year, right, the narrative, especially when it was clear they were going to play the, the Yankees, the, the, the lines coming out of the Twins clubhouse was, well, we didn't have anything to do with, with those past teams. And that's totally fair. But guess what? Now this team is included in that narrative because they have crapped the bed just as badly as any of those other teams did. In fact, they've been less competitive in the first two games than, you know, 2009, 2010, 03, and 04. They won a game. Like, yeah. this has been the worst performance of any of these playoff teams. So, it, you know, maybe they can turn it around on Monday. You never know. But it's just, it's, it's really unfortunate. I did not see this coming, I have to admit. Yeah, you were, uh, Jake, as Phil teased, you were maybe the first person to write about Randy Dobnik, uh, at least in our local media. And this was sometime last year as he was beginning his rise. What uh, did you think about, A, the decision to start him, but then how he performed and the quick hook from Rocco? Yeah, I... I have to admit I, I agreed with uh, with starting him because I, I, I think that he's a guy that can handle the pressure. Obviously, he didn't pitch well today, but, um, you know, he came in. His major league debut was against Cleveland in that big August series in a close game, sell up, you know, at target field, and he pitched four scoreless innings. So that, to me, uh, says that he can handle pressure. He also uh, put down the Red Sox, one, two, three, in the first inning as an opener at Fenway. Yeah. So he's shown that he can handle pressure. So to me, that actually did make sense with the whole ground ball thing and, and Odorizzi being an extreme fly ball pitcher. Uh, but, you know, obviously Dobnik wasn't on his A game today. Uh, it doesn't take away from his from his great story, for sure. But, you know, just like pretty much everybody else, he didn't perform. Yeah. You know? J- I mean, Jake, we uh, we appreciate the thoughts, man. And I think, you, I think you speak for a lot of Twins fans out there. I think you speak just the frustration and not seeing it coming. You know, I think there were some Twins fans that were guarded and can see anything negative coming because they've just been sort of taught to, to, to feel that way the last 15 years. But this felt different going in. And, and as you said, man, it's the it's probably the worst of the first two games of any Yankee series we've seen. So um, we're going to get to some other calls here, but thank you for calling in, Jake. We appreciate it. Yeah, if they win on Monday, I'll call back and we can all... Uh... Sounds good. All right, thank you, Jake. Jake, Can we dissect Dobnek just a little bit more? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I actually don't mind them. I don't. I I I hear your logic on Odorizzi might be your best pitcher, and through mental gymnastics and scheduling, you didn't make him available until game three, and I don't love that. But Jake Odorizzi has a five and a half career ERA at Yankee Stadium. He was he's good there fly, in May. He's though. a flyball pitcher. He was really good there in May. Yeah, but I'll take I'll take different the, lineup. But he was good. I'll take the career numbers over the one performance in May. I think if I'm trying to figure out what's you know what's what do I want to latch on to here? I don't I don't hate the decision. It just didn't work. It didn't work because the Twins don't have good enough pitching to face that Yankees lineup. Oh, I don't lineup. hate the decision at all. I'm really actually just playing devil's advocate. It's good talk radio fodder. Sure. Because I think it is a talker, right? Did the Twins make a mistake not using Odorizzi last night or today? I'm okay with the thought process, though. I really am. I'm okay with saving Odorizzi for target field. On Dobnik, okay? So it's one nothing, right? Gets out of the jam in the first, induces a ground ball, double play, Stanton, right? Second inning, relatively clean. Five guys came to bat, but... No serious hiccups, at least in my mind. Okay, so bottom of the third. Aaron Judge, first pitch, base hit to right. It found a hole. That was not a hard hit ball, okay? Yeah. Gardner comes up, walks him, lost him right away, 2-0 to 3-1 to bases on balls. Encarnacion, sort of a hard hit liner in between soft and hard. Okay, so bases loaded at that point. On the Gardner one, by the way, I remember... 
the umpire got tricked because because Garver it was two and one and Garver came out of his stance and it was it was a strike but because Garver came out of his stance it was called a ball and that's how it got to three and one. Well, it was Tishner, right? He yeah. didn't have a great inning that inning. I'll get to that in a second. Okay, yeah. so then they pulled Dobnak with Stanton coming up again. He induces the double play ground ball from Stanton in the first. Why not let Dobnak face Stanton? All right, so then Stanton gets a sack fly. Do you remember the first pitch by Duffy to Stanton? It was a strike. It was a strike. Called yeah. the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I still think anytime you're playing in that ballpark, you're just you're battling the home plate umpire. You are. You just are. You're not getting the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you're Ro- just not. Roy Smalley has gone on the record numerous times saying when he played for the Yankees, and there's nothing to you can't prove this at the seventies and the early eighties, but plus Roy statute Smalley of limitations. Said, so for sure, Roy, Roy Smalley said. I I know for a fact as a hitter, I got more advantageous ball and strike calls as a home player at Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. because umpires also stared at the pinstripes. Yeah, I was going to say, we talked about it all the time with Dobnik, with uh, Smeltzer overcoming that today, with Cody Stashek yesterday, all of that, we, Zach Littell yesterday. Umpire's a human too. But I just want to make it clear. Umpiring had nothing to do with yeah, why the Twins a... have been drubbed in these first two games. No, just to move on from no, that. It, just, it makes me think also on Gregorius before the Grand Slam. He checked his swing. I thought they made the right call. But I was thinking, if that was a twin, is that called a strike? By the home plate umpire. Yes. Do you remember it was the pitcher I hate two when home plate umpires make that call, by the way. Do you remember yeah. that? It was the pitcher yeah. two before the Grand Slam. Yeah. He checks his swing. Huge pet peeve. I'm just saying, I couldn't help <laughs> but check. think... If that was a twin, not a Yankee, do they ring him up? I think it showed what they thought, the quick hook that you're talking about. I think it shows what they think about Tyler Duffy. They love Tyler Duffy. They should. He's yeah. been phenomenal. So I think they missed his spot in the Gregorius Grand Slam. They yeah. took that and said It happens. Okay, well, we've got a bases loaded spot. We really need to get out of this inning. Who do we go to? Boom. Fireman. And they went to Duffy yeah. for that. I I can tell you if it was a twin at the plate. That Twins player likely wouldn't have hit the Grand Slam based on what we've seen so far <laughs> in the first two games. 651-646-8255. Zach and Grand Rapids, you're on the Score North Twin Show. Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, and Doogie from 5 Eyewitness News. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> geez Louise, that was just embarrassing. Doogie, I know you said, you know, I... You wouldn't be mad if someone said embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm calling it. It's embarrassing. Sure. It's terrible. That's fine. It it was so bad that I had to turn it to the Gophers game just so I could get some good feeling, like <laughs> elite or hyper words or right or off or sky you mind. Hey, this is, the Gophers they are, are five they and zero handily. They're five and zero for the first time since 2004. In that 2004 season, they turned a five and zero start into a seven and five final record. So let's. Hope which for better results. <laughs> which is my next point is we're probably going to blow that too anyways. But then after we watched the Gophers, I turned it to Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec because I, you know, he's my spirit animal. Anyways, not the point. But that was just so bad. I bought a twin shirt because I'm like, let's commemorate this year. And so I ordered it last week, Monday. It's supposed to come next week, Friday, presumably when the twins get swept out of the playoffs. I can tell you right now, I'm returning it right away. <laughs> Maybe accept the package and just light it on fire. There <laughs> needs to be some demons exercised here. Yeah. Let's just say, if you need a Homer hanky, go to eBay. You can get a Homer hanky right now for about a quarter. <laughs> okay, well, you know, okay, uh, that that's fair enough. But, I mean, it, it's just it's 
so bad. I even got my best friend, who's a Packers fan, text me, ha-ha, you guys suck. And I'm like, "What? wait, you guys didn't even make the NLDS. Like, what do you got to say or anything about that? I mean, it's just unbelievable. I, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I think this just ruined a 100-win season for me. Yeah, Zach, thank you for the phone call, man. We appreciate it, and good luck with that uh, package that comes in the mail this week. I'll try. All right. I think let's let's keep rolling through some here, but I think last night because we all sat here and did last night call and show, people were mad last night, and people were were talking strategy, and now it's like everyone's just exasperated, everyone's just exhausted from it. It's been sixteen years of this. I get it, but I still like years. to talk some strategy. How many swings and misses did they have today? Yeah, Miguel Sano had a good a good they morning, good afternoon, good night strikeout. Right. I looked that up for you earlier. I forgot to tell you. 16 swinging strikes for Tanaka, and that was... Uh, Is that a season high? Uh, I don't have his game log right in front of me. I can, I can look. I mean, if you had told me Masahiro Tanaka was going to induce 16 swings and misses, yeah. I would have told you you were nuts. Hmm. Yeah, uh, let's go to line three. Is it Zach in South Dakota? Hey, Zach? Uh, Alec? Oh, Alec. Alec in South Dakota. Prompter's a little fuzzy. Uh, all right. Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm a big fan of the show. Thanks, Alex. Um, yeah, I got. I just have two major points. Um, one, I, the Derek don't mean to call you out or anything. You're but good. I, was it you? I think that was saying you know something you know last week about how you know I don't really pay attention to players not getting rattled. Um, you know, young players, rookie players. You know, I don't I don't look into that. You know, needing experienced players in the playoffs, but. I don't know. It's really hard to agree with you now. Looking at this, I mean, wait, Derek, did you say that? No, I, I didn't say that. For the record. did somebody okay, uh, did well, Rami yeah, say it that? Been, it must have been. It was someone. I, it, someone mentioned that. It might Here, have been. Can I recast yeah, the opinion real quick, and then I want to hear your thoughts on it? Which is, Rami sure. said, typically he just casts that aside and says like this stuff doesn't matter. But sure. then we were talking with uh, Chris Singleton of ESPN Radio. Rami asked something to the effect of. Do you think it does change the game when you have a guy like Nelson Cruz or Marwin Gonzalez, Sergio Romo, who's been there, done that? I think that's probably the conversation you're referring to. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah. Okay. What do you think? So I just, man, it's it's, it's really hard uh, to you know look at guys like I mean even Mitch Garber who has all year looked like you know like such a calm, cool, collected guy. I mean, this is really his first, you know, real season. His, you know, his first breakout season. He has just looked like a shell of himself. Um, Cruz and Polanco, guys who have, you know, kind of been here. You know, obviously Polanco with the whole wild card mishap and whatever. I mean, they've looked confident, but it's just, it's hard. I mean, and, you know, bullpen guys. Latell comes out, looks like that. He's never pitched a baseball game before. I feel bad. I mean, I feel bad for him, but I mean. I mean, you could tell there's something there. That's my first point. I just, I think it does matter to have, you know, vets in this spot. Yeah. And my, my second point is, and I hate to be this guy, and I really tried to get this out of my mind after, you know, July, but it's just really hard for me. And, of course, you know, we never know all the limitations of the front office. We don't know what's going on. We can only speculate, obviously. It's fun. But I can't help but just think, you know, it's understandable when the front office has a team that's kind of on the bubble. You don't really know if they're going to, you know, if they're a for sure playoff team. So you don't really want to go all in and, you know, trade for pieces. But it just seemed like, especially with the lead that we had at the time, I, I just, I, I'm kind of flabbergasted on, you know, there were obvious moves to be made. It wasn't like, oh, what do we do here? 
is like, wow, we have a team that is going to break records offensively. I mean, obviously they haven't done that in the playoffs, but I mean, yeah. still, I mean, that's what it looks like on paper. Mm-hmm. And we have a glaring pitching issue that we know, hey, we know this is our biggest, our biggest weakness, and it was a big one. And just, I mean, Romo, great, love the guy. He's a great personality, but I'm just, I'm a little bit flabbergasted on... On um on on why nothing was done. Yeah, Zach. Hey, Zach. Guys. Zach, thank you. Thank you for Alec. the phone call. Yeah, Sorry, Alec. 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 Thank Sorry. you. I mean, I think the issue <laughs> is. I mean, hey, Bill, that was a great phone call. Alec, go back to late July. A lot of us thought the Mets might sell. They don't sell. They end up buying. Right. That Arizona doesn't trade up. Robbie Ray. The Giants don't trade Bumgarner. The Mets screwed everything. The Pirates everything don't up. trade their closer, who's now what in jail, but at the time he was viewed yeah, as but, but here's the thing. as a nice piece. But hold on a second. So this let's 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 go down this path because the argument when it comes to Robbie Ray and Madison Bumgarner and Noah Syndergaard, well, they weren't traded. Therefore, the offers must have been down here, and the and the asking price must have been here, and the gap was too wide. And I would argue. So let me let me give you an example. Okay. You guys, would you guys say that Gliber Torres is probably the, like, Gliber Torres is 22 years old, and he's got 38 home runs. He's busted both these games open now with rockets down the left field line. He's just one of the big-time rising stars in Major League Baseball, right? Like, he's going to be mm-hmm. a cornerstone player for the Yankees for years to come, right? 100%. Sure. Um, do you know which team he was on four years ago? Yeah. The Chicago Cubs. Cubs. He was right, one man. of the Cubs' best prospects. And the Cubs said, you know what? I know we're overpaying for Araldis Chapman, but this team is ready to rock right now in October and win a World Series. And we're okay mortgaging top five prospects to bring Araldis Chapman and other players that can help win right now. And I've defended the Twins' front offices, front offices, because the, the, the front office now is different than the one that Terry Ryan and Bill Smith ran for 10 to 20 years, okay? And I have defended for years and years because the time was never right. It wasn't when you were losing 90 games. The time wasn't right to trade prospects for established players or to sign big. You're not going to fix a franchise by doing it that way. No, but in 09 or 10, when they could have. Yeah, Cliff Lee it in was 2010. Cliff Lee, right? Yep. So Cliff Lee in 2010, that's an example. But this summer was the first time in years that the timing was absolutely right to trade a top five prospect for a win now piece. And again, we don't know. We don't know. Did they offer Alex Kirloff or a Royce Lewis or a Trevor Larnick? Did they offer one of those guys in a trade? I don't mean Doogie might have more information than I did. but Not that I'm aware of. But put it this way. Whatever happened at this year's trade deadline, this was their first chance with a win-now World Series team to make a move like that, and they didn't. They either chose not to or there was just no deal on the table from any which direction. And so from this point forward... If you want to win a World Series and you want to beat the Yankees and you want to beat the Astros, you have to trade top five prospects, period. Can we look at maybe the L.A. Dodgers? Look at the Dodgers a few years ago. They were ripped at the time for not trading a prospect by the name of Cody Bellinger, a prospect by the name of Walker Bueller, Verdugo. Go up and down the list. I mean, they have all these guys, right? All these young guys. They were ripped at the time. It's worked out okay, right? Yeah, but I mean, but so I, the script is still. But have they? But the Dodgers this, have, they, have the Dodgers this traded. This book isn't over yet. Let's see how this thing plays out. You know, what if Larnick leads them to a World Series title in two or three years, and Lewis and Kirilov? Yeah, but are you saying that you shouldn't trade top five prospects? I mean, no, the, the Astros. The, no, the, but I just I need specifics. The Astros right? who are playing right now, they're in the uh, top of the first inning right now, and Garrett Cole's on the mound. The Astros 
have the best playoff starting rotation I have seen in 10 years in Major League Baseball. It's incredible. They've got at least one Hall of Famer, and we'll see what happens. All right, so if you're the Twins, maybe you look at that and say, you know what, they're losing Cole after this year. Why should we give up Lewis, Kirilov, or Larnick, no, 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 no. knowing the Astros aren't going dudes, to be as good next dudes, year? that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, look how they acquired their three pitchers. All of them mm-hmm. trading top five prospects. Mm-hmm. They traded, They traded like eight or nine top ten organizational prospects to get that starting rotation. That's how you have to do it. That's how you have to do it. But who was that guy? I guess I need specifics. Did the Mets say no to Kirilov straight up for Syndergaard? I don't know that. I would have yeah. done that deal. Yeah, I would have. not me. You're not trading Kirilov and for And I Syndergaard? love Kirilov. No. I just, I think Syndergaard, Kirilov's my with guy. Wes Johnson, with this front office, yeah. under team control for multiple years, I would have been comfortable giving up Kirilov for Syndergaard. Here's my biggest gripe. With the Twins, with where baseball is today, and this isn't a get-off-my-lawn take. I'm a, I'm a younger baseball fan. I'm probably a bit of a traditionalist, given my age, but here I'll just lay it all out there. It drives me nuts how arrogant every front office is. You have to have a little bit of competitive cockiness. You have to have a little bit of, well, if we deal this guy, we feel like we can develop another prospect up, fill his shoes. Drafting and development is the name of the game in 2019 and into the 2020s. And like medical research and all that stuff. That's that's the that's the cutting edge. And I think that the Twins are on it. I think five years ago I wouldn't have said that. The Twins are in my perspective, among the top third of teams in terms of progressiveness. So this isn't like an overcasting criticism of their front office, but what drives me crazy is the like, well, we'll see. Oh, you got all these criticisms now. Well, we'll see how this pans out. But was it Alec in South Dakota that just called in? Mm-hmm. Or was it Zach? I can't remember. It was Alec. It was, yeah. Alec, yeah. It was, it was Fred. A hundred percent right about the... Everybody knew what the problem was. Yeah. And and the and And to fold your arms and be like, oh, I don't know. What are you talking about? What do you mean the problem? We'll see. You'll see. Now to be down 0-2, that's a bad look to have said you'll see. Yeah. And like obviously they need to score more than six runs over two games, but maybe they they should have traded for a bat. They gave up 18 runs in the first two games. Yes, El Puig was available. Six five one, six four six, eight two five five. Uh, let's go to Sam in Brooklyn Park. You're on the Score North Twin Show. It's Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, and Darren Doogie Wolfson here on the all-new Score North Minnesota Sports Anytime, Anywhere. Oh, boy, that was quite the intro. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, so I'm going to just go back real quick to something my dad said to me uh, right before, right as Buxton was announced as the game one started. He said, well, we're going to need Buxton to hold the Yankees to, you know, three runs or something. Or, yeah, I'm sorry, Perillo. Actually, actually it, it, wor- it works both ways, because if Buxton was healthy and playing center field, he'd be one of your best defensive That's assets. So. Um, when Perillo's is not, I'm sorry. Um, what, what I said to him, to my dad, was it, it's not going to matter. This was never going to be a 2-1 to one, you know, pitcher's contest. This was going to be a 10-9 to nine, um, fight. You know, We're going to see scores in the double digits, that, that kind of thing. So to me, this is, this is the offense failure. Um, these two teams are too good on offense, too just, you know, gobsmack, in your face, hitting homers, hitting doubles, um, to have ever been any kind of pitcher's contest. And I just, I can't blame the bullpen. I can't blame starting pitching for that reason. Yeah, it's you, a. You put this one on the bats. It's, right? a, it's a gunfight. It's a heavyweight fight. And how many haymakers have you thrown? You know, I mean, like two heavyweight fighters got into the ring and one has pummeled the other one for. 
24 rounds, right? Let's keep going with these phone calls. And they here. find a way, right? I mean, Duffy had Gregorius 0-2, right? I mean, Duffy owns hitters yeah. when he's ahead 0-2. I said to Phil, I told him we were sitting here in that very moment, and I said, boy, for as as poorly as it's turning out for Duffy, he actually looks awesome right now. Mm-hmm. A couple pitches later, yeah. ball game's over. And then over. you hit three home runs last night, and what are the chances you don't have one guy on base for any of the three? Yeah. By the way, uh, producer AJ found an amazing fact here, an historical fact. The Twins do not want to be on, on in this part of the record book. The Twins have now lost 15 straight postseason games, extending the longest such streak in Major League history, 12 of those to the Yankees. The only team in Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, or NFL to lose more consecutive postseason games is the Chicago Blackhawks, who lost 16 straight between 1975 and 1979. Meaning, if the Twins lose on Monday to the Yankees, they will tie the all-time record among the four major pro sports leagues in this country for consecutive postseason losses. Let that soak in for a second. I'd still rather be the Twins than the Mariners, though, right? I mean, the Blackhawks have multiple Stanley Cup titles. So, yeah, it stinks. Mm. It's frustrating. Back to what we opened the show with. If you want to call it embarrassing, fine. But they still have the two World Series titles. Always glass half full. Darren, <laughs> no, you know me. Over here. Optimism yeah. reigns, baby. <laughs> All right, Bill and Blaine, you're on the Score North Twin Show. Oh, the Wild are getting their butts hey, kicked. Guys. Hey, man. Appreciate the show. You guys have done a really good job. Even back to when you had the broadcast, you guys seem to have more fun with it. Certainly more fun with it than uh, CCO. The, uh, Thank you, Bill. We appreciate it. So the, string, the last caller kind of hit on it. So you don't have enough pitching then at least do the thing that you're good at. They're not scoring runs. They're swinging at balls out of the strike zone. It's hard to watch. But then from the pitching side, has anybody thrown inside? Well, actually, was it Duffy that hit a batter throwing inside? He did. Like, they've thrown inside a couple times. Well, Zach Littell threw inside. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah, he hit Sanchez yeah. after yeah. being I mean, ahead 0-2. They're throwing Another inside. Another example, ahead 0-2, and then he hit Sanchez. Yeah, Bill, they're throwing inside, but they're throwing too far inside. Yeah. Sure, sure. Not inside with a purpose, but yeah, they they just look they're a mess. If, if you yeah, had to man. pin it, to watch. blame is it is it pitching or hitting for you? Well, I think they kind of went into this whole thing, you know, go into the the, the gunfight with a knife, but maybe it's a plastic knife. <laughs> it's a spork, um, actually. <laughs> yeah, in, in terms of the pitching. So for me, okay, so your pitching isn't as good. At least do the thing that you're good at. But then they're not doing that either. They're having bad at bats. So. Yeah, Bill, hey, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate the compliments, and too. Thanks for the support. Hey, take care, guys. All right. Cheers. Let's go to, we get, we're going down the the alliteration alley here. Bill and Blaine, followed by Mike in Minneapolis. Nice. Bill and Blaine, what's up? No, this is Mike in Minneapolis. Oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. So, a few facts and figures for you. Um, as LaBelle pointed out, uh, during the regular season, Duffy... Uh, when he got to 0-2, hitters were 4 for 54 on him. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, he owns guys, I mean, like a lot of pitchers, but he specifically owns guys when he had 0-2. Yeah. Tonight, 0-2, he gave up a single, hit a batter, and gave up a grand. Mm-hmm. It was and weird. We talk about, like, oh, they're, you know, they don't have the pitching, but, you know, Joe Nathan blew multiple saves, too. So there's just juju, and it's a different era, different stadium or anything, but here's the one thing. It was just a thought tonight, but 
Mike's phone is yeah. Mike's phone is breaking up there. So we, he's we right, though. I mean, you look at that bottom of the third. Torres into Sanchez into Gregorius. Yeah, Duffy was ahead of all those guys. Yeah. Sorry for calling you Bill and Blaine, Mike in Minneapolis. That's on me. Let's go to. Uh, and I'm looking at some of these Twins at bats early, like first inning. Had a couple guys on there. Rosario hits into the double play, right? Top of the second, weak ground out for Garver, Arise, swinging K, Sano, swinging K, top three, Gonzalez, weak ground out, Cave, called strike three, and that was a strike, Kepler, swinging K, just a lot of bad at-bats. I was uh, distracted from, that's why I got my names and my cities wrong, because a friend texted me this stat that I, I don't believe, but it has to be right, this person is never wrong. I haven't had a chance to fact check this yet, but this is the home of reckless speculation, so I'm going to bring this onto the air. One time since 2004 have the Twins scored multiple runs in an inning against the Yankees in the playoffs. What? <sighs> One crooked number. Serious? That is what this is. One crooked number. This is what the stats finder tells me. There will be some fact checking after the show, hmm. but think about that. I feel like you don't. You don't stumble upon that without fact checking. Like you probably don't make that. that up, and it's not that hard. I mean, just go to Baseball Reference. Yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't have brought it up if I didn't scores. trust this yeah. person. Hmm. All right, yeah. say that. Wow. let's let's go to uh, Jacob in Lakeville, ending our streak of alliteration callers. But that's okay, <laughs> Jacob. Fire away, man. Well, I just overheard that fact, and I wanted to say that is amazing. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that. But why I called is that. The poll ads are not willing to spend a dime on our team, in my opinion, or not enough to make a big impact. Well, here's because we try to fill it in with crews and scope and guys like that, but that's just being complacent. We aren't completely tanking. Nelson Cruz wasn't a good signing for you. Oh no, no, he's completely exciting. But my point is okay. that we aren't completely tanking. And we're not trying to complete completely become a postseason caliber team. So you're talking? Are you talking? You you want like a Bryce Harper or Manny Machado type signing? You want a Garrett Cole this off season? That's what you're saying, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, when we have Cody Stashek pitching compared to the Yankees pitching Adam Adovino, that tells me that there's a complete inequality there, and that. The Twins have got to step it up this next offseason. Yeah, where I can... So, Jacob, thanks for the call. Like, So, two different things. The Twins have to be aggressive yeah, this right offseason. They I have to be right. aggressive this offseason. Uh, I don't want to spend like a 30-minute thing here because I feel like we, we do the payroll segment five times a year. And if you want it, it's probably... You just literally search payroll, Mackie, Jadarami, and we'll, you'll, you'll find five wonderful segments on it. But the mistake I think people make when thinking about baseball is... Well, there's no salary cap, and everyone's a billionaire, so why don't you just go spend $400 million on somebody, right? Well, there is a salary cap in baseball. It's not the luxury tax. It's called profit. Every single team, all 30 teams, aim to make money. They're all business owners. And really, the only team that I can think of in the last 10 years that has actively said, bleep it, we're going to take losses and significant losses to spend more money on players to deliver a championship is the Mike Illich Tigers that actually wound up not winning a championship. And so, you know, the, the Twins, if you go, if you look at Forbes records and just anything that's out there publicly, the Twins spend about 50% of their overall revenue on payroll, and the Twins rank usually between 15th and 23rd or 12th and 20th in payroll, which is about where they are as a market size. It's about where they are in terms of uh, 
you know, TV revenue coming in. They're in the bottom third of the league. But when is the TV contract up? Uh, I need to double well, check I this. I believe it's within the next year. Well, I don't think well, it's this Sinclair winter. Sinclair just bought uh, all the Fox properties, Yeah, it may right? be so. after next season. Okay. But, I mean, they should be able to make significantly more yeah. on their TV deal. So if we're talking revenue being brought in, look at yeah. the potential of, of a new TV deal at some point in the next, who knows, maybe as soon as this winter you extend it. Or sometime in the next 12 to 18 to 24 months, they still outspent how many teams last winter? They did. Right? But I think, I, I think get it. They had a lot of flexibility. People look at many overall teams payroll, didn't spend though. a dollar. People look at one through 30. Okay. Where, where are you at in terms of overall team payroll? And the twins almost always are, well, they're, they're always bottom half. I think in 2011, they were like 12th or 10th or something, but they're almost always between 15th and 23rd or 24th. But that's if you look at a ranking of team payrolls, it's literally a ranking of market sizes. It's New York, New York, Boston, it's San Francisco, Bay Area, right? Um, and the Twins are like the twentieth market size because there's two teams in New York, there's two teams in the in Chicago, there's there's two teams in the uh, well, there's D.C., there's Dallas area, right? So all I'm saying is the answer isn't. Twins outspending Red Sox, twins outspending Yankees, because that's not a reality. That's not how baseball works. Owners, I know it's I know it's tough to hear. Jim Polad is not going to take a $50 million loss on the Twins. He's not going to. Now, we could debate whether he should. If, if I was a billionaire, would it be kind of fun if I could afford, you know what, screw it. Let's just take a huge loss and go get Manny Machado and see what happens and just go above and beyond. Would If I were a billionaire, would I think about doing that? Probably, but where does but it that's make not how baseball sense, works, right? They were willing to give Kimbrel two years, thirty-one to thirty-two million, somewhere in that ballpark, right? Tyler Duffy makes five hundred thousand dollars, five fifty. What's the minimum? Five fifty-five, five seventy-five. He makes less than a million, right? He's better. Who's better? Yeah. So it's not always the answer, right? Look at what the Tigers are paying Miguel Cabrera right now. Yeah. There's numerous examples like that. What did the Yankees pay CC Sabathia this year? Well, I get it, had some moments, but he's not on the divisional series roster. Yeah. Oftentimes, if you give a 29, 30, 31 year old free agent a six or seven year deal, you are going to get screwed on the back end. That being said, I'm in. It's not my money. Eight years, three hundred <laughs> right, million for yeah. Garrett Cole. Me too. I'm Garrett already. Cole's twenty nine. Right. I do it. Eight years, three hundred million. So I'm not in. That's the, the only way you even have a prayer to get him. I'm because I think he's going to the West Coast. To the uh, payroll debate after Game Two for two reasons. One, series is not over. Uh, Brian Hoke, who covers the Yankees for MLB.com, pointed out that since the formats have been like this for the postseason, thirty teams have gone down 0-2. Uh, wait, do I have that right? Yeah. 30 teams. Three of those teams facing those de- deficits, so 10% of the time, they come back and win the ALDS or the, the DS series. Yeah, so a best there, of five, not a best of seven. That's right. So, so in a best of five. Format, and a best of five. Three out of 30 historically have won that series. So this ain't over yet. It just looks terrible it, through two games. It, it's over. Can you it's see a over. scenario it's where they win over. Thursday in New York? Sure. I can actually see a scenario where they win Monday at Target Field. Yep. Then I pitch Barrios on three days rest. Maybe you even win Tuesday at Target Field. I really struggle to see them winning Thursday at Yankee Stadium. I can't. I, I can see them winning any of the any of the individual games remaining in this series. I they will not win three straight against this Yankees team. I mean, if I'm wrong, you can make fun of me, but 
there's zero chance in my mind that they win the series anymore. Zero Sorry. chance? Yes. Okay. Who would you pitch in a game five? Barrios. I mean, I guess at that point it's all hands. So who's pitching Tuesday then? That's a tough one. <laughs> I don't know. Right, well, see, ask, I'm pitching Barrios on three night. days rest Tuesday. Ask me Monday night. I might start Taylor Rogers in that game. I mean, now. yeah. I mean, Thursday game five, all hands on deck. He's so. going to be super fresh. Odorizzi can give you an inning. <laughs> yeah, Duffy. I mean, I guess that's what you would do. Uh, this is the all new Score North, and you're listening to uh, Score North on 1500, or maybe you're listening on the Score North mobile app, or maybe you're video streaming us right now. On Scorn or Twitter or Facebook or Twitch, we appreciate it. I'm Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore here, Darren Doogie Wolfson from Five Eyewitness News, and this is a special episode of the Scorn North Twin Show. We're going to check in with Judd Zolgad soon. He just got up from the clubhouse in Yankee Stadium, but let's go to Brian in Maple Grove, who's been on hold for about 20 minutes. Go ahead, Brian. Hey guys, uh, I'm the State Fair geek that I've was out there every day. So oh, right on, man. Brian, man. Thanks for all the food. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> did you guys notice their hitting approach um, the last couple games? It was, especially Miguel Sano, was just flail. He didn't, it didn't look like he had anything. He just went up there and was just flailing at pitches. Yeah. Um, Paxton against Rosario threw him the same pitch every three times, you know, and Rosario just flailed on those pitches. It, it, You'd think he'd be looking for it. Yeah, yeah they're and chewing him up right now. The Yankees. I mean, they're not uh, this is a great point. No, Brian brings up a great point. They, this, they, thank you for the call, Brian. The Yankees looked so prepared for every Twins pitcher and every pitch that every Twins pitcher had in his repertoire. Right? I mean, the Yankees were spitting on Duffy breaking balls. They were they were spitting on Barrios off speed pitches. Just I don't know the how zone. they lay off all those pitches. Some people were accusing him of sign stealing, but. I mean, hey, guess what? A lot of teams sign It happens. Steal. It yeah. happens. Yeah. But the Yankees... Credit to them if they're able to accomplish it. The Yankees made it such a grind. Every at-bat was a grind. And every at-bat was fouled pitches and laying off tough pitches. And the Twins, it's like half the Twins lineup went up there and just swung. All right, I'm just going to get up there and kind of hope that sometime in the next three pitches I make contact with something, right? It, it looks so different than the Twins' regular season approach where they would grind out at bats, right? I mean, like, but here's the difference: it's breaking ball after breaking ball, right? I mean, just the Twins are not seeing, and I get it. If I was writing a scouting report and I needed to hand it to Yankees players, it would say, "Don't throw the fastball." Yeah. Now, I get it; you got to go to the fastball at different points, you know. But the Twins are seeing a lot of off-speed stuff, yeah. and yeah, I mean, they're they're flailing away. I got to correct the record really quickly. I've been doing some crack research here on Baseball Reference. It's that, it's it is zero percent. That no. <laughs> no, but nicely played. That uh that stat about not scoring multiple runs multiple times is not true. The twins have done that a number right. of times. Okay. <laughs> it sounded way too good to be but true. But it sounded believable Show me today. Phone. I need to see the sources. It sounded this. believable, right? Yeah, who's the, who, how many white claws in is the person yeah. texting? Here's why it sounded believable. Guessing because zero. I trust you. Yeah, no, hey, I trusted this person. My bad. <laughs> but it sounded far too good to be true. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've played too many games and the twins have lost too many times. After today, it sounded true, right? Yeah. So this is, a, this is a therapy session. Twins fans, I don't know. I mean, this is just the same story for 16 years, and now they're down two games to none again. Let's take a quick break here because we've been going for almost an hour. It's Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, Darren Doogie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News, and this is a special edition of the Score North Twins show. Let's, uh, let's get to Mike, we'll get to Jake, we'll get to Sam, and we'll get to Judd from 
Yankee Stadium when we come back. This will get down and get to the fence. Maven is in. Torres is in. Gregorius is in. Next pitch to Didi and a swing and a belt. Hit a ton to right field. And it is gone. Grand slam home run for Didi Gregorius. And it is 7 to nothing. And it is Bedlam here in the Bronx. All right, we're back. It's Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore. And Doogie from Five Eyewitness News and the Scoop Podcast, too. If you want more from Doogie, you can find his Scoop Podcast once or twice a week by just searching The Scoop with Doogie anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Score North Twin Show is also available anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, we appreciate those of you who've been checking out Score North programming for the first time. We just launched this thing back in January, and we've been riding this Twins wagon all season long, and it looks like they are running into the same brick wall that they've been running into for 16 years. The pinstripes are uh, apparently impossible to overcome for the Twins, who've now lost 15 straight playoff games, 12 of them to the New York Yankees. We'll mix in more of your calls at 651-646-8255. We'll get to Mike in D.C. We'll get to Brian in Maple Grove. And uh, we'll get to Sam in Lakeville here in just a second. But our guy Judd Zolgad was just down in the clubhouse and was soaking things in from post game. So, Jeb, we'll get you on uh, right now from Yankee Stadium. Why don't you set the scene for us? Was uh was uh were were, were the were the last rites being read in the Twins clubhouse? Uh no, just the opposite. We were um I don't want to say giddy, but we were we're convinced that things can be turned around. My only concern is I'm a little bit confused by one thing, you guys. I don't think Rocco and I watched the same baseball game tonight. <laughs> what baseball <laughs> game did Rocco watch? There's a little bit of a disconnect between what I watched uh, transpiring on, because I'm in the Bronx, right? Yeah, that's right. I, game, I mean, we so, hope right? you're in the Bronx. <laughs> like, the game was played there, right? Because, I mean, that's the game I watched. Uh, un- unless I, I accidentally w- went to uh, uh, City Field to watch the Mets. No, Rocco, you know, Rocco talked about Dobnik's start, no regrets there. And I asked him, I asked him in the press conference in the third, I said, did you think about Romo or Rogers? I said, I know it'd be really weird, but you had to get out of that. And um, I got a long-winded response, and I'm not sure I completely comprehend it because perhaps I'm just not that smart. Um, but, yeah, this is sort of weird because this is very football-like. I feel like I feel like I watched a game, made observations, went downstairs, asked questions, and was told that, no, for the most part, I didn't see what I know I saw. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> like, are they like? With like, are are they are they in denial that they've just gotten their asses kicked two games by the yeah. Yankees and their offense disappeared? Like, what is what are they saying? Yes, they are convinced they're going to go back to Target Field and get things back on track, and that sort of this was just a rough blip. I mean, I'm I'm thoroughly confused by them. Uh, but then I came upstairs and, and did a beyond the score, and the more I talked to myself and looked at myself in the camera on my phone, the more upset I got because I mean. This is tonight is just it's just awful. I mean tonight I'm not sure what the callers are like. I'm not sure how you guys feel about it, but I mean, come on, this is a game of massive importance, and they really did treat it sort of like it was. I mean that third was treated sort of like sort of like you you would expect a a third inning of a game in July, right? I, it's just I can't I can't comprehend. You bring Duffy back in after you started Dobnik, Duff, you know t- uh, Rogers doesn't pitch here at all. Romo gets in when the game is done. I mean, post, so from the fourth inning on, the only way I can put it 
for you guys is the last time that I was in a stadium with a Minnesota team where it felt like this was when Collar and I were in um, Philadelphia for the 2017 conference title game, right? Because, like, post the third, it didn't matter. I mean, this game was just done. Yeah. And I'm not even getting into the fact that the offense has disappeared now, which, you know, they scored two runs. Good for you. Both didn't mean a damn thing. So they'll struck out four times. I'm not even getting into that. But just the handling of this game, I don't understand it. And I don't get why, like, like the prevailing theory downstairs is, well, you know, it should be fine. And I just want, you want to grab them and be like, guys, this is October. Things well, change in October. I mean, their season, the season's over. Like, I know Derek is sitting here saying, well, but three teams have overcome. No, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't this, necessarily this... think it's over Monday, though. I mean, I guess, Jed, I understand a little bit of optimism. I would argue they have their best starting pitcher going on Monday. So I guess well, in terms of just like Monday, I can but see a little bit of optimism. But, Dookie, why wasn't he going tonight? Like, Which is a fair, yeah, we've brought that up, Judd. I mean, going on now, no. 75 minutes of doing this show, we've talked about that. Did they make a but mistake not right. pitching Oda Rizzi last night or today? Yes. yes, they made a, now, now, okay, the reason not to pitch him is fly ball pitcher, um, nine games, eight starts in the stadium, and, and I think he came in, I think he had a 5.4 ERA yeah. in the stadium, quite a bit of that with Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. He and, was good there, though, he, in May. He was and, really good in May. And he gave up nine earned runs to the Yankees in July at Target Field. I get all of those things. And I get the fact that that at some point Dobnik was going to have to pitch. But after last night and after all that went wrong last night, and this is a this was a must win. Like you are now dead in the water against this team. And and okay, so you're gonna start Dobnik. And then the bleeding starts, right, you guys? And so don't you say, Okay, my God, this is really gonna be drastic, but this third in- inning is now the most important inning, and these are the most important three outs of our season to date, easily, right? So let's do something drastic. Bring in Romo. You don't do that. What like, about keeping Dobnik in, Judd? Call me nuts. He induces um, the ground ball the double state. play from Stanton in the first. Why not let Dobnik stay in there and face Stanton? Because, because the stage got too big. I, I knew it would, too. Mm. It, it was too much to ask of him. But but that's my point. Is, I don't but, know. Like we talked. But we talk about, but you guys, we talk about high leverage, right? High leverage guys, high leverage situation. It, was there anything more important than getting out of that third? So here's here's two, two well, things. I mean, Duffy's been Duff, really good. Duffy's better than Romo. Duffy's mm-hmm. better than Romo. Du- but Duffy got Duffy got smacked. I mean, I, I actually don't have a problem with bringing Duffy there. And on, on Dobnak, he had put eight dudes on base and recorded six outs. I know at that I'm point a broken record I mean, though. But Judge hits a ball that Droogie will hit harder. Droogie has a fall ball game tomorrow in Hopkins. I promise you, Drugi at eight years old will hit a ball harder. Yeah. The judge hit there in the third inning. But, it just happened to find a hole. Walks Gardner, Encarnacion. It wasn't a hard liner. It wasn't a soft liner either. It was a medium liner. Okay, so that's where the bases are loaded. It's a one to nothing game. Yeah, let him face Stanton after he induced the ground ball double play in the first I mean, inning. Here, okay, but here's like here's what we're we're, we're splitting hairs over. I mean, we're, the real problem is. This is the second time you faced the Yankees in a playoff series at Yankee Stadium. Two, two, in, uh, second consecutive, 2010, and and now nine years later. And in 2010, you had to run Brian Dunsing out in a game at Yankee Stadium as a starting pitcher because you were woefully underprepared with your starting staff because you didn't add someone at the deadline, Cliff Lee, for instance. And now we're sitting here again nine years later. And I think we all love Randy Dobnak is going to be on the staff next year. He's a really good pitcher. He's pitching over his head this year, and you had no choice but to use him in a huge spot, and that's the problem. I actually don't. Like Tyler Duffy is better than Sergio Romo, 
But Randy Dobnak was the only option you had either in this game or game three. You had to pitch him at some point, and you got and you got smoked. Well, but I, I would say this: they used Duffy last night as well, and so I'm using a I'm using a fresh arm if possible. But my point is that the that the approach I saw from this team starting last night and carrying into today, and this is what upsets me if I'm a Twins fan, is that this was just another baseball game. And for that to be your stance, I get being, I get it. It's a 162-game season. It's a very long year. And I get you cannot live and die with every single game. But you get to October, and there has to be an urgency, and there has to be a a sense of, okay, this game is not an ordinary game. Because if you if you leave here, think about how much different this conversation is and how we feel right now if you leave this building with a split. It's totally different. And you almost didn't take that into account by trying to act like, it's just another game. It wasn't. It was a must-win game, and you, in the course of one inning, blew that opportunity, and now good luck, because are you really going to beat this thing, team three consecutive times, including coming back here to the stadium and winning game five? I don't think so. Do you guys feel like we'd be more mad if they lost close games, or does the fact that they're getting run out 18-6 to by a combined score, does that even make it worse, I if, suppose, for Twins If fans? they lost 9-7... to and thirteen to twelve, or thirteen to nine, and their offense was producing. I would feel a lot better. I, I would actually feel like you know what, you're throwing you're throwing hands with these guys. And mm-hmm. if you can, all right, if you can just get get a good outing from Jake Odorizzi. But the fact that your hitters, I mean, we, we've we've spent this entire time mostly talking about how the pitchers look like they're just they're just peeing down their leg, right? Uh, and guys who normally would be great in big spots are just staring at the pinstripes. Well, you could say the same thing about Twins hitters. I mean, Doogie oh, went through the strikeouts. Like, what do you got? Yeah. What's your approach? I mean, on the, the Twins struck out fourteen times, Judd. Masahiro yeah. Tanaka, who's done very little for multiple yep. months, induced yep. what sixteen swings and misses? That he is threw, ridiculous. Hey guys, he threw sixteen fastballs too. They, hmm. And and here mm-hmm. oh, and and we do all. The, the one thing that we owe the listeners an, an apology on was our across-the-board assurances that this w- wouldn't be the same Twins team. The fans in right field were chanting, Eddie, Eddie, and Rosario was a mess tonight. And did you see that last swing? Yeah. He swung at a ball above his head. And that kid was as intimidated as a human being can possibly get. He was laughing so, on his way back to the dugout, Jed. No. Yeah, but that's the thing about it. That's what's scary about it. Mm. He doesn't understand it. He mm. doesn't understand what he's doing. But, I mean, there he was completely flustered. And he's laughing, I think, because he's flustered. What's but the... it's still, it, Sorry. It's, it's irksome at best. I, I was just going to say, it's irksome at best because the approach to me that I saw today, if I'm a Twins fan, I'm not happy about. What's the feeling you were down in the clubhouse? Is, is Rocco putting us on? Yeah, of course he is. Okay, so it's, it's, a, it's an act of confidence. Different. This is his, but this is his approach, which which I was really I have been impressed with until now. But the problem is, I think the approach right now is is I don't think he's putting us on. I think this is him. I should say to be fair. And so the Dobnik thing to him was just like, yeah, this makes sense to me. And, and the one thing that I've really respected, and this goes beyond Baldelli, guys. This is Falvey and Levine as well. I've really respected how I think they've done a really good job of mixing a- analytics and statistics with gauging hu- human beings and their behavior, right? And after you saw Littell and Stasek last night, and after you saw that how you were literally putting a 23- or 24-year-old kid in the middle of Yankee Stadium with a pee in his hand and saying, go knock him dead. And guess what? 
And I don't blame people. For a lot of people, it's too big. And at 23 or 24, it'd be too big for, if we had the God-given ability to play pro sports, it might be too big for us as well. So I'm not placing the blame there. What I'm saying is, you were given the opportunity to be like, okay, Odorizzi might not succeed completely, but he also, in this situation, he's pitched here before, he's got a chance. I felt like Dobnik was thrown to, to the wolves, and what made it worse to me was, you had evidence from other people last night to see what could potentially happen, and it did happen. Yeah. I mean, it is. I, I can't stop. I can't stop looking Perfect. at the numbers. It's 15 straight playoff losses. Judd, the only other team in Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, or NHL in the history of those sports that has ever lost more consecutive postseason games is the 1975 to 1979 Chicago Blackhawks. They lost 16 consecutive. You will tie that record if you lose to the Yankees on Monday night. I mean, I'm beyond at this point, like World Series and. Just win a game. Just win a damn game for the first time since 2004 in the postseason. Is it okay? That's well, the new goal, everyone. Just yeah. win a damn game, please. And understand the magnitude of these games to put yourself in the best position possible to do what you just said, which is after nine innings of play, you're not asking for two games, you're not asking for three. You're asking for a nine-inning baseball game, have more runs scored. And, and the disappearance of the offense tonight, is frustrating for sure. And this team offensively, and I, I come back to this too, did, did we somehow get probably lulled into a false sense of security a little bit because you beat up on the White Sox so much and the Royals so much and Detroit so much. Um, but it starts to me with the decision on the pitcher and what gives you a chance. Because you know what? If Jake wins, if they come back and win at Target Field Monday, that's all well and good. But it's going to be two to one at that point. And how much of us in a best three of five, how many of us are going to say, you know what, I think they'll win now. You know, a split here to me was not an enormous ask. It was a realistic, it was difficult, but it was a realistic ask. And you, in my opinion, did not put yourself in the best position possible to get that split. And tonight you got embarrassed. And from the fourth on, this game was over. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, a minus 12 run differential on that full sense of security, this to me is telling. The Twins this year, their record against teams 500 or better, 32 and 37. The Yankees 43 and 32. So the Twins against good teams this year were five games below 500. That's fair. The Yankees were better against better competition than the Twins. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But the Yankees still got to beat up the Orioles and the Blue Jays, and the yeah. Twins got to beat up the Tigers, the Royals, the White Sox. That's fair. Uh, I, I would like to have, but. Uh, Last thing, I would have liked to have gone downstairs, and I'm not saying to see a bunch of guys crying and bemoaning their fate. <laughs> I totally get that players don't do that, and I'm fine with that. I don't expect that. But I sure would have liked to have felt a sense of, of urgency, a sense of I, – I just I keep coming back to that. It's like, this, it's like the mentality right now is, is the mentality that we saw – after the first time this team uh, lost two or three consecutively. And in the season, those things don't matter. You don't want players to get upset at that point. But now it's just like, yeah, we're going to go back home and things will be fine. And I'm sure that, that, um, that privately they're saying different things. But, boy, you would like to just see from the top on down a sense of urgency that sort of, that sort of exists, if nothing else, if not for this, uh, this year, for future years with sort of the tone or tempo of this team. Because this team should be back again, and 
my God, if we're here next year and they're saying the same stuff, that's not exactly a good thing, boys. That's Judd Zolgad. He's out at Yankee Stadium, and you can read his musings on scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R-North.com. And, uh, Judd, so tomorrow you'll shift your attention to uh, another team that's sort of in crisis mode. You'll be at MetLife Stadium for Vikings and Giants, so... Well, uh, Stephon Diggs is there, by the way. Mm-hmm. He did travel for sure. All right, that's good. He was always one. trending in that direction. They find him. He was always playing on Sunday. Step yes, one. in fact, I bet he gets the football a lot tomorrow. And, and if the team, if they lose, then all hell will break loose in the Twin Cities. <laughs> <Okay. on Monday. laughs> the Giants' secondary is abysmal. The Vikings should be able to yeah. pass all over New York tomorrow. Looking forward Enjoy. to your twin stuff, Judd. See ya. Thanks, guys. All right, bye, Judd. Let's keep it right here. This this is our final segment of Twins Vent Line, effectively. We're going to take three more calls the three guys who've been on hold the longest here, and uh, and then we'll say goodbye until until Vikings vent line tomorrow. But uh, just a reminder: if if you've been enjoying the Score North Twin Show, if you're new to Score North, our main two hubs are scorenorth.com, s k o r north.com, and the Score North mobile app, which is free to download. Just search Score North in your Apple Store or your Google Play Store for your Android device. And we would appreciate a five-star review on that app as well because it seems like people have really been enjoying it. We've been giving away some cool stuff on it. And the Score North Twin Show, also available anywhere you find your favorite podcast. The thing that helps the most with the Twin Show, yes, ratings help. Yes, subscribing helps. But if you really want to help the show, if you like it and you want to help spread the love, tell three fans about it. Three of your friends that follow the Twins, maybe somebody at the office, just give them a shout about the Score North AL Central Champs Twin Show. Yeah. So, uh, oh, by the way, I should I should squeeze in the legal here too, just so we don't get uh, we don't get fined or something by the FCC. But you're listening to AM fifteen hundred KSTP Minneapolis St Paul Score North Minnesota Sports anytime anywhere. Mike in DC, thanks for holding on. We appreciate it, Mike. Go ahead. Hey guys, so like I just find it funny. Like laugh, I got to laugh at all the Twins fans, and like I got I got my confidence up a little bit, but. Everybody was saying this year is different. This year is different than all the other years. But our offense, sure, was great during the regular season, but we struck out 14 times tonight out of 27 outs. And we've been outscored 18-6, to as you guys mentioned it. Our pitching is worse than the years past. As you guys mentioned it uh, yesterday, Barrios wouldn't be a three-starter on most of these teams. We don't have a number one starter. And – you know, I just, I'm going to leave you guys with a question. You guys talked about a lot about the amount of pitchers and hitters kind of melting in the heat of Yankee Stadium. Is Rocco Baldelli kind of melting in that, in those lights of Yankee Stadium as well? Because it certainly seems like it with the bullpen. Thanks for the phone call, Mike, and thanks for the question. I would add to his question about Rocco, Rocco's not just acting on his own, right? This Correct. is all, this is all part of a strategy from mm-hmm. the front office all the way down. This isn't the old days where I'm gonna I'm gonna go off what my gut tells me to do right now because I'm the manager. And it's right that I'm you mentioned skip. that because oftentimes I'm even guilty of just pigeonholing Rocco because yeah. he is the manager. But yeah, yeah I mean undoubtedly, <laughs> I mean Wes Johnson, Shelton, the bench coach. I mean, there's a lot of people with their fingerprints all over every single decision, like the decision to pitch Stashak in a one-run game last night. That wasn't solely Rocco. Go up and down every decision. It's a team effort. I mean, it's hard to draw any other conclusion right now, right? Like we came on here yesterday not knowing the results of today. In fact, I was expecting they were going to win today when I criticized them yesterday after game one. 
But to go two games at Yankee Stadium and get run out and your best reliever did not pitch, I, that's it's borderline inexcusable. Uh, Keith tweets in, at DWolfson KSTP, at Derek Wetmore, at Phil Mackey, Twins need to sign Garrett Cole in the offseason. I love reckless speculation. Reckless speculation is our brand on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. And Doogie will dabble in a little reckless speculation on the Scoop podcast. They're not signing Garrett Cole. And we'll talk about, like, it'll be fun. We, we, we can sit here and say they should. This is what they should do with their money. This is what I would do if I was a billionaire. But they're not going to sign Garrett Cole this offseason. They aren't. I think they inquire. In fact, I'd be shocked. If they don't inquire, I think his agent is Scott Boros. So, I mean, they'll end up talking to Boros yeah. at the GM meetings in November. If Cole is still out there, December winter meetings. I guarantee they end up talking to Boros about a lot of guys, including Garrett Cole. But, yes, ultimately, do I see Cole ending up here? No. I'm on record, though. It's not my money. I'd go eight years, $300 million. As crazy as that is for a 29-year-old free agent, that's the only chance you have. You're not Ugh, getting him. so aggressive. You're not getting him at even seven years, $200 million. Because the Angels want him, right? He's a West Coast guy. He went to UCLA. Whether it's the Dodgers, the Angels, somebody on the West Coast. Love to go pitch for a franchise and uh, be 500 despite having Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I'm just saying, to even enter into the conversation, right? To have any prayer to convince Garrett Cole to come to Minnesota, you need to blow him away. It's eight years, three hundred million. So, are the Twins doing that? No, the Twins are not giving a free agent pitcher eight I years. I hope not, and they're not giving any free agent three hundred million. No, they're just not. I mean, they, they, the the biggest contract they've ever given up is not even. They haven't even given out one hundred fifty million dollars on a contract, right? To a free agent, to a free. Well, no, to anyone. Joe Mauer's was Joe Mauer's contract or was one hundred seventy million. One eighty four. One eighty four. Okay, all right. So get to two hundred million first. Uh, Brian and Maple Grove, you're on the Twin Show. Hey guys. Um, a, I think Garrett Cole, he would take six years and be done at 35 for $30 million a year. That's just what I'm saying. You're saying 180 then, or I don't think that gets 6, it done. 6180, no way. What did Patrick Corbin get with the Nationals? 6150? 140. Garrett Cole, okay, 6140. Garrett Cole's not taking, I'm sorry, Brian. He's not taking 6180 to come to Minnesota. Maybe he takes it to go to Anaheim. He's not taking it to come to Minnesota. Okay. Are you guys old enough to remember Steve Gasser and Jim Buck, Jeff Bumgarner hmm. as, as far as prospects? Is that Madison Bumgarner's dad? <laughs> no, but they were two top pitching prospects that, back in the old regime, the Twins would not move for anything, and they didn't amount to anything. So hmm. prospects do not always, you know, come out to be everyday players. Yes, like Doogie said before, Cody Bellinger, Verdugo, everything else. But Kirloff, I wouldn't touch. But Royce Lewis, whatever, they might be worth throwing out there for a top starting pitcher. We need a top starting pitcher to stop any losses, anything else like Johan used to be back in the day when we didn't have a solid rotation. Brian, thank you for the phone call. And if they, if this is what I, just to, I agree with Brian, by the way, and I think um, they go that route, right? I think they heavily explore the trade market. I don't have a yeah. name right this second. I mean, Mike Miner comes to mind, Robbie Ray, some of the names that were out there in July. But I think that's the path they take to acquire a good starting pitcher this winter. Let's take one final call here on the Score North Twin Show. Sam and Lakeville, you get the final word here today. Oh, hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I know I kind of feel like I'm beating a dead horse with this whole pitching staff thing, 
But, I mean, if you look at that pitching staff from top to bottom, there's no way that the front office could have been looking at that staff going into this postseason and saying that we have any chance of doing any damage this postseason. In the, in the regular season, you can bat your way, hit, hit bombs all you want, and play your offense to win games, but games in the postseason just don't go like that. I mean, I'll give them a pass with what they did in the winter. Um, nobody could have predicted this kind of season in the winter, but what they did at the trade deadline was just pathetic. I mean, we got Romo, our other guy we got. He's out for this year and all of next, supposedly. Mm-hmm. So um, that's just frustrating to me, and um, I think if they really want to do something, the time was always this was the best time that we could have done something and i feel like we rolled over and don't even get me started on how we've been using our pitchers in these first two games (laughs) yeah Yeah. sam thank you man thank you sam Sam. hey real quick back to the the prospects thing here because i think everyone's the way this conversation has started with frustration game one frustration game two and now i feel like we spent some we've had some great conversations in the last 45 minutes about all right how do you get from where you are now which is a really good season but if the goal is to win a World Series, you got to get you got to get better pitching, right? Okay, how do you get better pitching? And I just pulled up so the baseballcube.com actually has a full list of every top 10 organizational list year by year and 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 if they were ranked in the top 100 of MLB prospects. So the Twins between 2001, 2002 and like 2006 had one of the best farm systems in all of baseball, where every year they had five top 100 Major League prospects. Per Baseball America, per Pipeline, per who? I believe Baseball America. Okay, yeah. Yes. Respected publication. Yep. Yeah. And I'll just go through a couple of these lists. So this would have been, let, let's let, how, however we think of these Twins prospects now, we think they've got the one of the best farm systems. Um, they've got four or five top 100 prospects, right? Man, you call, man, those guys, you got to be careful dealing those guys. They're going to blow up, right? Well, Let's go back 15 years. This is 2004. Joe Maurer, Justin Morneau, obviously amazing players, right? You could have traded one of them for a third starter, though, if you wanted to. Matt Moses, J.D. <laughs> Durbin, Jesse Crane were all top 90 MLB prospects. They were, those are among your top five prospects. Take the wind out of your sails before you had a chance, because I knew that was going to be my last opportunity. I mean, if at the time... At the time, I know there were people who said Matt Moses, franchise third baseman. You got to be careful on this one. And obviously, in retrospect, if you could have traded him for a bat or a pitcher in 2004 to help yeah. one of those teams, you would have done it, right? But imagine if you had traded Morneau, who wins American League MVP just a couple years later, carries you to a 71 and 33 finish in 06. So you have to guess which prospects. So in many ways, 06 doesn't happen if you pull the trigger on a Morneau trade in 04. But could you argue, Morneau wasn't a huge part of the 2004. Morneau was just sort of blossoming in 2004. He was was basically a rookie in 2004. But what I'm saying is if you used him as a trade chip, right, then maybe 06 doesn't happen because he's not here. Okay, but if you use him as a trade chip in 2004, do you win the World Series in 2004? that's... We that's, can't that's, answer. I don't know. But that's what they're. That's this is where they're at right yeah, now. Yeah, that's exactly okay. where they're at. 2006. All right. Here was here were the the five guys who were in the top 100 list, major league prospects. All right. Francisco Liriano was the sixth best prospect in baseball. Mm-hmm. He was their number one prospect. And there was no way you were ever trading him. The other four guys on that list: Jason Kubel, Matt Moses, our guy Glenn Perkins, and Anthony Swarzak. And if you could have traded, and I love Glenn, if you could have, he, he would trade himself. If you could have traded any of those four guys for a win-now pitcher or piece that would have helped you in 2006, 
You would have done it in the blink of an eye. So all I'm I'm not going back and criticizing. But is that the them. flukiness of the postseason, right? I mean, games one and two in 06 were at the Metrodome. I'm not criticizing you had home field advantage. I'm not going back and criticizing them for that. All I'm saying is these are the like the in in that snapshot in time, we said, Oh, these are hot prospects. These are the guys that are gonna be your franchise. And like two of them were. So which one of the current top five is Justin Morneau and which one is Matt Moses? I don't know. Okay. And the second thing is, I, don't know. I trust this front office. I know they're down 0-2 wait, wait, right hold now. Hold on, hold on. Sorry to interrupt. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. Because let's go back to 2004. You're only making this trade if your team right now can win a World Series. Mm-hmm. In 2004, Justin Morneau was not the Justin Morneau that he became two years later. Okay? You would have been trading that Justin Morneau, being okay with him turning into Justin Morneau, to get a piece for the 2004 team that could help them win a World Series. To go from That's a 10% chance to a 15% chance or a 25% so chance. You guys, so you guys are literally saying that they should not trade for a pitcher. No, that's what, saying, you're, that's what you're saying. I'm no, saying that's that what you're saying. not we, as simple I'm as I'm on record saying in. I would have done Kirilov on July 30th for Noah Syndergaard. Not I would me. have. Not me. I'm saying you you're can't not, come you're, in and simply say if you traded for a pitcher... World Series. No, and now because you I'm did it, it's O two. I'm not saying that. Oh, there's a I'm saying you can't acquire the top end starting pitching that you need unless you want to pay two hundred fifty million dollars for Garrett Cole or unless you trade one of your top five prospects. There is no door number three. There is no door number three. Now maybe Gratterall turns into one of those guys for you. That'd be door number three, I guess. But you know, okay, then wait a couple of years and cross your fingers. That's like, the other that's thing I was going right to say now. is you have to, if you're the Twins right now, you think your next eight years are built on your ability to develop talent. And now whether that bet is right or wrong, that's the bet that they're making. It's got them in a weird spot right now for sure. And Pineda getting pinched and Buxton getting hurt and on and on and on. We can talk about that rerun history. But their bet over the next, what, five to seven, eight years is... We think we can acquire enough talent and develop it to get the best possible outcome out of every single guy that will be here year after year after year. Yeah, I mean, over I a sustained right, period. But right? that's their bet. That they're not all in on a one year. Even though Thad's on record saying when the time's right, we are going to strike. Really, their mindset is, we want to win the division 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. So, I mean, I guess I would be surprised if they end up dealing one of those top guys. I think they have a deep enough pool where I do think they go the trade route. I think they end up trading for a starting pitcher this winter, but I guess I will be surprised if it's Lewis, Kirilov, and I'll be mildly surprised if it's Larnick. Not trading Balazovic. Just know that between Lewis, no, Lewis is a number, he's a number one overall guy. Like the number one, the track record of number one overall guys is very different than your traditional top five prospect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, so let's take him off the board. Between Kirilov, Larnick, and and who's the Bal Balzovich, whoever like yeah, Jordan, Jordan B, I call right? Um, Jordan B. That's like, easier. Let's take those guys. So so Jordan Balzovich and Kirilov and and uh, Larnick. One of those dudes is not going to pan out. One of those guys, well, not going to pan out to be a superstar. Like one of those guys is Michael Kadir. But and, is the guy you're trading for guaranteed guaranteed to be a superstar here? Well, I mean, you would only make the trade if you. You would only make the trade if you knew that it was a horse. It was a Chapman, right? It was somebody that could help you. Mm-hmm. So, but hopefully this has been therapeutic for Twins fans. And maybe they go win three in a row and we're talking about the Astros and Twins and the ALCS. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be ideal. But, well, it's scoreless right now between the Rays and the Astros. So maybe the Rays can make this interesting. Eric Cole firing bullets. Surprising, huh?
Yeah, <laughs> the guy's ridiculous. <laughs> well, thank you guys, and thank you everyone who's thank been listening you. and and watching. Dude, awesome. Score North Twin Show therapy session is coming to an end here. That's Darren Doogie Wolfson from the Scoop Podcast and Five Eyewitness News. That's Derek Wetmore from ScoreNorth.com and the ScoreNorth Twin Show. I'm Phil Mackey. You can find our weekday afternoon show, Mackey and Judd with Rami, from 4 to 6 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Thanks to AJ for screening calls and pushing buttons. We will see you again, Twins Playoff Baseball, right here on ScoreNorth, and you'll find Game 3 on these very airwaves.